Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. James Potlucky and I have gotten to know each other uh, fairly well through our good mutual friend, also podcaster, Zach Borst of EM Weekly. If you guys recall, Zach and Chief Walt Lewis did our after action for our August event uh, for Dynamic Populations. We have another one coming up in Orlando at the end of this month, November 29th through December 1st. Uh, but I happened to meet James at that Orlando event. He represents Everbridge is a great company. We do a lot of things with them. They just had a great webinar a few weeks ago where James and Zach were on that webinar. And so it's a great pleasure to have James on here. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. So just before we started recording, we talked about the many adventures that you've had in emergency management from cutting hair all the (laughs) way through being a professional in the field. Let's talk about Hurricane Ian for a second, because you had mentioned something very briefly, and I just want to like run with it, that in all your years of emergency management, this is the first time you weren't called out as an emergency manager because you are so close to where Ian made landfall. How is that shift for you? Were were some of the things that we talk about emergency management actually applicable, or as a as a quote unquote survivor now? Did you think, hey, some of this doesn't actually apply, or did you know what were the pros and cons? Does that make sense? Where I'm going with this? Yeah, definitely. That's that's a good question. And this was my first. So this was my first time, I guess, when a hurricane came in or any type of disaster, where I was in the field. And I didn't have to go activate right into an emergency mm-hmm. operations center. And that was a bit weird, I think. Um, I think mostly due towards my passion to emergency management. And I, I missed it, to be honest with you. I, I missed mm-hmm. kind of being in there. But I also got to be with family this time, which is which was way better, to be honest with you. <laughs> because yeah. when I was I think the last big hurricane that I was activated for was Hurricane Irma. And I, and Hurricane Irma, I think, scared me more so than Ian. Mm. I mean, if you look back at Irma and just how massive it was and not even understanding where it was going to make landfall, worrying about my family, right? My wife, where is she going to go? Where is she going to evacuate to, mm. right? Compared to this time where I'm actually with them and, and kind of riding the storm out with them. Yeah, that's uh, it's like emergency manager to survivor. I think it should be the name of the show. You might <laughs> coin that, but uh, it, it is interesting. I grew up in Ohio where we had tornado warnings all the time, and since I've become a professional, you know, anytime something big come uh, happens, you get activated. But in the private sector, it's been it, like the I wouldn't say like you scratch the itch, but it's been hardest to do that because the the passion's there and you want to like be activated you want to be in that eoc and to be in a in a different space makes it so much more difficult in so many different areas but it does make me wonder you know is it an opportunity to identify the gaps of what we think are norms for for the public what they should be doing versus the ground truth because now you are in your home versus in an eoc and 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 the difference of that so it's it it pulls on a new complexity for sure right yeah, I think it's it was definitely interesting to I think there was just so much going on when you're in the EOC and there's a lot of decisions that really need to be made. Um, mm. And it's just a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot of information that you're trying to capture. 
um, with a bunch of different stakeholders, collaborating with a bunch of different folks. And then on the family side of it, you're kind of seeing maybe those decisions that are being made, the type of communication, right? You're now, instead of being the one who's sending out that message, you're now receiving it. And, and you know, what, what type of messages were decided upon to be sent out when I kind of mm. love like timelines, when we look at, yeah. I'm a big after action report person. Like I started my career in training and exercise uh, within the state of Florida. So I kind of have a passion for how we do that, how we actually follow through through after action reports. So I kind of love to see the timelines. And I think it was interesting to kind of see the track, just really just like to keen on the track of Ian, where it was going, when evacuation orders were being made, who was making them, what type of messages, messages were being sent out to the public. So while I did miss the, the activation role and, and all that, mm. you know, stuff within the EOC, it was definitely interesting to be on the other side of it, knowing what I know now, like being through different activations and then kind of seeing it from the public side. And I think that also, yeah, I think that kind of also helps in a way too, when we look at after action reports and, you know, and kind of getting different messages and, and, you know, what they were saying and, I think it kind of helps now. I think that's why it's so important that we receive feedback from 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 the public. I can't even tell you how many times that in the after action process, you see the, the, and I'm going to, I'm going to fold in all ESFs here, emergency support functions and, and call them responders for a second, the response crowd. How many times you see them pat, pat themselves on the, on the back and then they get the feedback from the public. And you're like, wait, what happened? Cause I thought this went great, you know, and, and vice versa, you know, you don't, you don't always get to see the positive impact too. And and once you start getting that feedback of those families that did evacuate or the people who made the right choices based off of that, um, we have had uh, episodes, if, interestingly enough, because you work at Everbridge, we've had episodes before where we've highlighted mass notifications and highlighted the stories where the community came together to find the child very quickly because of a mass notification going out, everybody getting pinged, on the on the on the vehicle and the license plate number and all of a sudden 45 minutes after a child was taken the own the, the person who took the child gets their picture on a thing and now they're at a gas station everybody knows uh, notices them and they abandon the situation and save the child and so there there are definitely pros and cons of of this field but it does beg the question because you're an after action guy and because you know the timeline you've seen on both sides and you can sympathize with both sides is there anything you do differently in Ian, especially looking at that timeline where you're like, Ooh, that wasn't helpful or uh, that was helpful, but maybe we could do this and differently in the future. Yeah. I think I, I have to say that issuing, I think it's good that 
especially with hurricanes and there's nothing good about a hurricane, but it's the timing factor where you kind of have the time to make decisions, but you also have the difficulty in who, like which county, like which jurisdiction, right, mm -hmm. is going to make that evacuation, right? We saw so much talk about it's going to hit Tampa, St. Pete area, right? And the devastation that would have happened there would have been astronomical, right? Not saying that anything didn't, like, it was bad down south in Fort Myers, but yeah. it just goes to I mean, show you how, map too. Yeah. right? And it just goes to show how difficult it is to have to make that decision, right? Because then if you make it too early, you're always going to get public feedback on, you know, what you could have done better or what should have been done, right? But I think when you kind of watch that track and you and you see how, you know, I think it was pretty accurate within that three-day cone, right? And then mm -hmm. you get the five-day and it's kind of, you know, um, a little, you know, you got to like look at it and be try to see when you're really going to make that evacuate or call that evacuation or if you're, you know, you have to make that evacuation if it's coming towards you to save people's lives. But there's also a lot of like a learning curve too, I think. Um, and I do this a lot when we were, in, when I was in emergency management, where even just knowing, like knowing your evacuation zone, right. But knowing your, how well your home was built, when it was built, mm. all that stuff, I think helps. Like, do you really need to evacuate or can you, can your home withstand the winds that are about to be, or about to be within your area? I think there's a lot of learning on on the public side that we as emergency managers we go out and and we preach you know what what is that like where are you within we're talking about state of florida where are you within the state of florida where are you within that evacuation zone are you in a flood zone right we have a lot of folks mm -hmm. that move down to florida and they may be in a brand new community but they're like two miles from a river right so yeah are they think like i think like being in emergency management like if I go buy a house, I'm thinking of these things like, oh, yeah, yeah. but like the general public, are they really aware of, of, of how close they are to like, if there is a disaster that, that they may potentially be impacted? I went to lunch today with a friend and they were talking about a lot of did you knows. He's like, did you know that they have maps of where the flood goes? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> He's like, did you know that they're, you know, St. Louis, because I live in St. Louis, like the liquefaction zones. Yep. Uh, and he started going to the did you knows. And after a while, I had to stop saying yes and saying, like, I'm glad to, like you figured these things out. And like, I was glad that he had figured it out. But like, we just bought a house like this summer. And um, luckily for me, I have a very supportive wife. But the first time we bought a house, I was looking at everything from power lines to power companies to, you know, uh, just like just like uh, traffic, everything. I, I'm a GISer, so like all the things. And we had a power outage in California. I've talked about this on the podcast before, so everyone, please forgive me here. But we had a power outage in our neighborhood. Ninety percent of the neighborhood lost power because they were with one utility company, and ten percent, the side that I lived on, had power, no disruption, and. Uh, I knew that because of historical events and, and how those companies operated. And uh, it was like Armageddon on one side. And it was like, Hey, come and barbecue and hang out on our side, you know, sunny. And uh, you know, the, the flood that happened, the worst flooding in 178 years in St. Louis happened this summer, right after we bought our house. And unfortunately we had, we knew a lot of people who had flooding issues, but we didn't have that issue. And so just like understanding, like having your own personalized HVA is so helpful. 
I'm going to call emergency managers out for a second though, because we as a field, we're integrated so much that we almost forget to do it in our own personal lives. How many emergency? I did this last week with Nat Sellers. He's a preparedness guy. He runs a preparedness works podcast who has a generator, who has an evacuation plan, who has this, who has that. I think we all need to do a self check here for a second and say like, okay, like if I am involved, what are the reasonable steps for me to not have to become a, a person that needs to needs saving essentially? So it's um, it's a unfortunately a really good reminder um, for the field that you know these things are not just far away; they can be close at uh, close to home as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think when we look at like if I go back to Hurricane Irma, where we actually like. I did want my wife to evacuate, right? And she went out to Orlando and it ended up being worse in Orlando <laughs> than it was in Sarasota. So there That's is that awful. point too, right? I think for yeah. Ian, there were probably some folks, St. Pete, Tampa area, where they were like, we'll evacuate. It's going to be really bad. You know, where's mm. the closest? You know, you don't, cause you don't, you know, either go north or, you know, more inland. It depends how big the storm yeah. is, obviously. But I think but they went to Orlando too. They kind of did the same thing. Yeah, they went yeah. to Orlando. So it's it's, it's maybe just Orlando's like... not the great evacuation. But... <laughs> we'll have to change that's that. That's the after yeah. action. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, George Siegel he runs tell us how to make a better podcast. I was just on a show, and that's exactly what he said. I was like, my family's going to evacuate to Orlando. They said, hey, hurricanes are big. You know, it's funny the the cone of uncertainty even though it is a misnomer for a lot of people, they don't understand like that's not where the hurricane goes. The eye could be anywhere in that. The problem is we went like halfway with education on that one. The Everyone's like, okay, let's start looking at the tracks. So they start looking at the tracks and the general consensus was Tampa, but if they actually did follow the entire cone of like, this could be the, the scope of it, then a lot of people would have not gone to Orlando <laughs> So I don't know, maybe, maybe there, maybe we should start treating like the cone of like, maybe we should just change the cone to, this is the general area, almost like a heat map of everywhere it could flood. And anytime it does that, they should just highlight Florida all red and we, everyone just leaves Florida. Maybe, maybe you're better off. I don't know. Yeah. I, th I think that when, and you're right. I mean, when you look at the storm and you look at the past, at least the, you know, there's Michael as well. The past few that hit florida how massive right i mean they were massive they were covering probably the entire state so so yeah and that goes back to the learning right i mean yeah if you go evacuate to orlando right it, you're gonna have impacts but where are you going like are you going to like maybe a home that was built you know as a new newer home and can withstand some things or maybe somewhere where there's shutters right an area that's not necessarily like because you know you don't necessarily want to be on the coast when you have a big storm like that so i think that's the tendency when folks go out and they go further inland but then you have to worry about obviously the tornadoes and other stuff like that so yeah i mean um i like to Man, that's, I mean, there's, there's so, this is always so, so complex, right? <laughs> if it's not ratios, if it's not, it's not the water, it's not, if it's a tornado, and if it's not any of that, I don't know, you got a two year old, I'll be screaming at you, right? It could be, anything could be happening. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just kind of the, I would rather know and be able to choose which disasters I'm going to deal with and which ones I don't want to deal with. And um, there's like, I hate tornadoes. 
I can deal with hurricanes any day of the week, even though they make tornadoes technically. I can do with any of that stuff. But for whatever reason, tornadoes, I just hate them so much. And so I did a lot of work when we were looking at buying a house. I was like, where do tornadoes go in St. Louis? And I have I I highlighted all these areas I wasn't gonna move to. And my my I said, anywhere it's red on the map, I don't want to move to. And my wife, Erin, she's like, uh, the entire map is red. I'm like, great, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> and then I was like, actually, if you zoom in super close, there's like four or five houses here, or there's like six houses here. I just hate tornadoes. And so I don't know. You got to choose which disasters you're okay with. In Florida, Floridians have to be okay with understanding hurricanes are something that they had to deal with and not just treat it like, you know, it's a one-off. I think too many people for too long think the tougher I am, the the more I, I get to treat hurricanes like they're not a big deal. And there are just too many tragic stories of people realizing that is incredibly foolish, right? So what can we, just switching the conversation to the other side of the house, if we are doing things right in emergency management, what would your suggestions to be to do to start enhancing that even more? How do we get to the next level? So I think from, uh, we look at the public and, and just like over the many past years or whatever of how much technology is being utilized, um, whether you're in an emergency operations center or whether you're, uh, you know, in the public and you're about to, you know, go head on with, with a hurricane. I think it's important to see and, and how we communicate with the public. I think that's so important. We, we come across yeah. after action reports on and communication always comes up as like the big issue. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I love interactive action after action reports. I love like dashboards, being able to understand like the different core capabilities, like everything that it ties to assigning everything. I know Zach Morse is a huge task person. I'm kind of the same way um, in many different levels. Uh, but I think technology is super important. And I think there's going to be a huge change in, in, in technology and the way we communicate with the public. And, and it, I, it's like we have kind of been doing the same things consistently year after year, but technology continues to like explode. Yes. And, yes. and there, there's going to be ways in which, and granted, there, people are getting information from a lot of different modalities right now, right? I mean, Twitter's, believe it or not, people are getting news from Twitter. They, they go through their mm -hmm. Twitter feed and they're grabbing information. That's why it's so, it's so important that when you're when you're sending messages out that they go through all these different modalities. But I think like from a customization standpoint, right, from just being able to connect with the public. And we talked about evacuations earlier. I think it was maybe North Carolina uh, where they did a know your zone on a, with a brewery on a beer can. Mm. Like that is like genius, right? I mean, that's like we need to be yeah. more creative on the way that we're doing outreach, but we also need to be more creative and we need i think we need to be i think technology needs to be more acceptable to change i think we need to go ahead and be able to accept how we can do things better i uh i'm gonna let you run with this one because i've given my opinions and i definitely have opinions on this 
I will start by saying I 100% agree with you on everything you just said. 100%. What are the things holding us back from that? I think that it's emergency management is super young still. And I think we need to realize that, that we are, the field is still growing and it's, it's sort of growing slowly, I think. Mm -hmm. And the technology is sort of moving extremely fast and in emergency management, we're, we're having a hard time keeping up. Why? Like, why are we having this hard time? Are we though? I think, in I, think some... there's a gr I think in a, there's a group of us that are not falling behind and there is a group of us who are dramatically behind and like i the field is young and yet it's oh gosh this is where i get to i'm in the private sector i'm going to say that uh, my thoughts represent my own but it's basically like it's run by the geriatric ward like we need to allow and i think it's time to start pushing really hard for emergency managers i'm going to get really passionate here really fast there's so there's so much more we can do and there are a lot of us who have identified that and want to embrace it and we need to start pushing for that much harder we should use artificial intelligence we should use design not just powerpoint although powerpoint i love you uh in in communications like we should have much better messaging and much better outreach mechanisms than we have historically been using right Anyways, I'm going <laughs> to, I should redact the geriatric <laughs> But you yeah, get it, right? It, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. hundred percent. And I yeah. think, and I'm not here to say that there aren't folks that are, aren't embracing the technology. There 100% are folks out there that are using awesome technology. I was, I was sort of part of that innovation where I, I was lucky enough to be at an emergency management department that wanted innovation right that accepted innovation and to do things differently that is so important that is so important i think but it's going to take time for i think other departments to obviously catch on and then i mean there's a whole bunch i mean we can i mean there's budget i mean we can really go into to a lot of different areas so of, reasons, maybe, yeah. of maybe why it hasn't been embraced but I think that, but there's also another side to it. There's a side to it where there's so much technology where there's duplication of efforts. We always mm. talk about collaboration. We, we always talk about collaboration and, and like I have a, the reason why I went to into the technology area of emergency management, because I was in, I was in the, an emergency management department or emergency management for about eight years. And I became fascinated with the technology that we were using to communicate, right, to manage incidents. And I thought there could be more done to that. And I wanted to change my career path to go into technology, focusing on improving the technology that we use to communicate, improving the technology that we use to go ahead and, and, and manage disasters. So I think there's, there's it, it, that, but when we go back to the collaboration piece and the stakeholders, there is all of this technology that is being used that is kind of sort of doing the same thing in some way, shape or form. And there's yeah. like this, this ball of confusion to where, you know, what do I use to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And mm -hmm. I would love to see something come together 
right? And B, what that next generation is of technology, like Perfect. where the public sector and the private sector are actually working together in one system, I think is where we'll see the next big thing, right? And and making it simple and being it being simplified too. I think there's a lot of reason why folks tend to move away from technology, um, especially in emergency management, is because they don't necessarily want to, or it can be difficult, right? To learn. It's like a new system, it's a new process. Folks like to do things, you know, if it works out for them, great. If paper still works out for you, great, right? But if things can be more streamlined or be easier to use when it comes to tech using technology. I think um, I'm excited to see it and I'm excited to be like in the field at this moment. And now, and I just can't wait for it to kind of explode, you know, into something much, much bigger. Yeah. Okay. So officially, James, you're now going to be our spokesperson because I'm the guy who's like geriatric ward. I'm rude. I'm a jerk, but you're like, Hey, this is really exciting. The, the one word I like to change and, and hopefully you're okay with this is instead of saying different, I just like to say enhanced. It's time that we start enhancing our capabilities. The, the forefathers, the the people who came before us, who really started to figure out a lot of these problem sets and who managed large scale disasters with pen and paper and who've done all this stuff. It's like hats off to them for trying their absolute best. Like no disrespect for the level of passion, effort, all those things. But at the same time, I think it's okay to recognize that it is time to enhance. Uh, Pete Gaynor gave a great article. I've brought it up several times. So if you haven't, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't read it yet, shame on you. But he put it on uh, GovTech, I believe. And he just talked about who we are and said, we're entering the third phase. We are in infancy as a, uh, as a field. We are now starting to, to become more aware. People are becoming aware of us, the, the public and private sector. Things need to start happening. And, and really, like what you're calling out is, man, I, I, I'm 100% all in. So you can start being our spokesperson there. But like, <laughs> let's start embracing as much as possible. Incompetency is not a good enough reason not to learn something, not to help people. We're all about preventable death. We're all about coordinating with people and how to do that. And if we can find more efficient ways to do that, we should embrace those ways. Now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call something out here on myself, and I and I want to see if if you agree or disagree. Some might say, "Well, what if we lose all technology? Like right, like the EMP happens, and we have to go back to paper." And my my call out is, "We'll adjust to that because we've already done that in the past. Let's let's embrace what we can do while we have it." What are your thoughts on that? I totally agree with that. That's why I say that. If you're using paper processes today, and if, and if it works, what, why change it, right? I mean, I could come back and say, well, it's gonna improve. It's gonna improve processes. It's probably gonna save you a, a, a ton of time in getting mm -hmm. things done, right? But it also it's gonna depend on on I think what's your population size. I think we also need to look at that too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. are you a one man shop? Are you a shop or man and woman shop, right? Or if you are you a twenty person shop? Um, I think it's going to depend. There's a lot of different variables to it, but pen and paper, I mean, there's no, there's no issue with going back to that. I don't think if you know your, your workflows and your processes and how things are done, right. I think yeah. it shouldn't be that hard to go into paper. I mean, we look at, I mean, we're still doing um, what courses they were, they're using T cards. 
right? Yeah. I mean, we're still, I'm pretty sure that course is still being taught. So, yeah. Um, I, I there's people who are big fans of it. I, I love them to death. And Kevin Coleman, who's a young guy who loves technology as well, he's like, guys, still embrace T cards because there's something visual about that. All it tells me is that there's not a technology that's out there that he's seen or that maybe other people have seen who haven't been able to provide that level of, you know, wall to wall, right? And But I do think there are technologies out there. However, we need to start embracing those as an industry before we can switch over to something like that. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, man, what a fast... I, I had no idea what we're going to... We were going to do... Ian, now we're talking about technology. We should just talk about something else random, cutting hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, really what it comes down to is whether it's Hurricane Ian and the perspective as an emergency manager or uh, perspective as a survivor, whatever it may be, after actions are important. And I think one of the after actions that we're finding right now is that we need to embrace the fact that the public needs more and we can do more with technology without actually adding more to our plate. My plea to the field is, if you're running ragged, if you're that team of one or you're in a team of 20 and you're still tired, there are systems out there that can make your life easier. And you should, when you're in a blue sky moment, um, you should embrace different options. So I'm going to give the big one because you're with Everbridge. I like Everbridge. And uh, Everbridge is one way that they provide a lot of solutions. What are some other technologies? I took your thunder with Everbridge. Uh, what are some other technologies right now? Emergency managers that are listening are like, okay, what technology should I embrace? One, two, three. Do you have options that they should look into? Are we talking type of technology or <laughs> anything? Anything that you think, like if I'm listening to this podcast right now, you and I just went off on embracing technologies, right? Well, that's really vague. So if I'm the county emergency manager in Forsyth County, Georgia, or if I work at uh, you know, a hospital in Virginia, what technology should I be looking into right now? I think technology and not that I'm coming from Everbridge, but I think the communication side of it is, is probably the first thing you want to get done. Right. Uh, I remember when I was activated during hurricane Irma and we were in the EOC and I was in the situation unit leader. So I had a lot of information that I needed to collect. Um, and the way that we were communicating, right? It was email, it was phone call, it was running around the EOC. It was all these different things and all the information was coming in through different areas. Now, how do I take all that information and kind of sum it up, right? When, by the time I do that, it's probably gonna go ahead and change again, all that information, right? Because yes. we look at emails, right? You have folks who are coming into an EOC and they're not doing their day, their daily job but they have mm -hmm. an email that they use every day. And now I know during Irma, you know, we had provided them like a section chief email, right? A planning section chief email. So now they're working from two different emails, right? And they're trying to receive and trying to manage that. Then you go into shift changes, right? So that person coming in is going to be completely lost on what was, on what was communicated. Yep. So I think it, it, from the start of it, I think you really need to look at communication. How are you doing communication internally and how are you doing communication out uh, into the public? And then obviously you get further down the road where you're looking at, you know, how are you really managing an incident damage assessment? How are you doing all of that stuff? Resource management, I think is really important, but the start of it really should start with communication. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, communication, if I can stop seeing that on After Actions, I'll know that we've entered the new phase because right now it doesn't seem possible, right? Because we collaborate and communicate. That should be the two things that we're calling out in After Actions anyways. With communication technologies, we provided one. Um, just for the, the, again, those who are listening, I'd say embrace dashboards. There's lots of different organizations that can do that. I, you know, whether it's using Tableau, um, a Microsoft product or an Esri product or whomever, incident management software, start to learn about how, what you can what you can visualize. The more you can visualize, the faster. And uh, if you are looking at visualizations or you're, you're a GIUL or you're looking at a, a, you're the SIDLE, think, can other people understand everything I'm trying to communicate within 10 seconds of looking at this? And so if you're like, okay, I already have dashboards. How do I make it more clear? Simplify. It is okay to have more than one dashboard. Um, in fact, state of uh, Florida does this really, really well. Uh, they had a historical product called the Gator. I think it's called something else now. Yep. But the, and their EOC, is it still called the Gator? I don't know. Yep, it um, is. They cycle through all the different critical infrastructures, where uh, the stages of everything. And you can look up, and as it cycles through the maps, you can have entire situational awareness for the state of Florida within like a moment, right? A couple moments of looking at this just as it's cycling through. And so uh, I would get, I would get to do that. I would, so you, we brought up pen and paper, find products that can help you automate. Um, I will give you a real world example, hurricane Harvey, Corpus Christi, everything's wiped off the face of the map. And somebody came in and handed me like 30 pages of torn out pages of a notebook with addresses on them and his, what he thought the damage assessment was on each house. And I was like, what would you like me to do with these, pa these papers? Right. I was like, we literally have a product on an, on a iPad to do that. He's like, well, I forgot my iPad at the hotel. Like you really would have gotten been faster just to drive back to your hotel instead of writing it down. And so between dashboards and automating processes through checklists and that kind of thing, and then dealing with the one-offs, through pen and paper or, or the outliers through different, you know, communication means that's fine. But, um, you know, visualization, communication, that kind of stuff uh, can really help them out. I, I think when we look at, I love dashboards. I think they're super, super important, but before we get into dashboards you, and you mentioned it, right. How is that data being collected? Like, mm -hmm. what is that process for that data being collected? Cause when that data is being collected, right. You can analyze it. And understand what really needs to be on that dashboard and that's going to give you the information so when you Perfect. look at that dashboard you should be able to right i should come in and i should be able to understand the story right i wasn't here for two weeks three weeks but if i go up there and look at that i understand what's going on and that's kind of how i can start making decisions i well you brought up timelines earlier a dashboard that can show timeline i was just out of here for the last operational period we made a major shift in this disaster why well, if I'm seeing a map and I'm seeing that like a dam broke and that the water now shifted over to a new area, instead of having to read emails about like, oh, we think the dam's going to go. We're going to intentionally flood this neighborhood. We might do this. Army Corps of Engineers suggesting that. But if I could just see it quickly, like, oh, okay, this is why things are shifting. Um, so important. And, and data validation, as you called out, wow, that is huge. We, we've had issues in the past where everybody likes to use their own data set. And now you don't know what is truth. So, uh, you know, just, you know, piggybacking on what you're saying here, 
Um, there's the maps to show your stakeholders that what you're doing is valid, i.e. the pretty maps. And then there's the maps that help, or maps, data, dashboards, whatever you want to call it, that help you make decisions. And understanding that those may be totally two different things is okay. And you should have a system in place to show that. Every time we had politicians or media come into the JFO, you better believe we had some really cool, pretty maps everywhere. But uh, for like the federal courting officer or the plans ops chiefs, the maps that were in their rooms were to help them understand what was happening in the disaster so they can make decisions very quickly. So anyways, lots of lots of really good ideas that we could probably talk about forever on here. James, as we're wrapping up here, uh, we've took a lot of different turns. Sometimes that happens on these conversations. This is kind of fun to talk to a, with an expert like yourself and to hear different perspectives and, and, and really uh, just dive in in a natural conversation. If you're talking to the field of emergency managers, we have, what, 20,000 people who listen in. What is your take for them? What can they, we do better as a field to get to the next level? Embrace technology. Embrace technology. <laughs> Embrace technology. Yeah. Embrace yeah. technology. Okay. Yeah. How, how are things being done today and can they be improved? Right. I mean, there's always ways and you know, take your after action reports, look at them, right. And prioritize what really needs to be done before that next event comes. Right. If you have, if we have another hurricane Ian come in again and it's, it's actually going to hit Tampa St. Pete, Right. I think, you know, being aware, I, I like when you look at critical events and events, past events that have gone on, I think for those folks that really, and it's kind of different because COVID, everybody was really impacted, right? Everyone was either activated or anything like that. Yeah. But there was a point where we were all kind of sitting in our offices and, and, you know, waiting to get activated. I was that person when I first got into the field in the state of Florida. And I was just, you know, waiting, you know, not wishing upon a disaster, but I really wanted that real world experience and understand what it was like to get me outside of my, you know, get comfort zone of being in an exercise. So I think it's important to look at Ian, right? If you're in, in, in a different state or a different area, look at Ian, maybe take that, that scenario is already built out for you, right? Tweak it a little bit and now have those conversations on, on, on what you would do if this was to impact your area. I used to say ignorantly that I wanted to be in a disaster because in our field, we get that. We get what that means. Now I, I like to say like, I just want to be one of the helpers because I recognize that you can't mitigate everything. And if you could, that'd be wonderful. But what kind of world are you going to live in? If, if it's, you know, if there's no danger, right. Uh, you know, we could all live in, you know, a monolith, you know, that turns into a submarine every time something happens. Right. But like, that's not realistic. And that's what we want. What we want is the opportunity to help when, when people are doing that. And James, quite frankly, from your, both your reputation and what you're saying on here and, and how easily it is to hit on different topics here. It's, it's obviously that you're one of the helpers and um, I'm glad that your home was not impacted uh, by this last hurricane. And um, I'm glad your family was totally fine. For those families who are impacted, we as emergency managers need to go back to that table and say what was effective, what was ineffective, and also to recognize that there is preventable death. And then we also live in, in a world that has to deal with stuff. And so if you're being efficient, you know, it's okay to, to, to recognize that you're one of the helpers and it's okay to, um, to, to take a breather every, every once in a while as well. So 
James, once again, uh, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and for talking to me and uh, just kind of shooting the breeze, I guess, uh, as we took it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, everybody, if you got something out of this podcast, which you should have, we obviously went down several rabbit holes, the rabbit holes of emergency management. They, maybe that's the name of the podcast episode, but whatever it may be, we had a, a great conversation talking about embracing technologies, shooting the breeze, looking at these different things, to, to looking at an after action even. What are you doing right now in emergency management that is helping you and your local community with your severe of influence that is pushing you to the next level? I would suggest that if you're coming to dynamic populations in Orlando, then you are going to hit the next level. But there might be lots of other things that you're doing too, that to embrace change, to embrace the next level innovation. I want to hear about what you're doing to innovate on social media, on the Disaster Tough podcast. Make sure you tag us. Make sure you tag Everbridge. They're a great provider of services. I've called that out several times on this episode. They are not a sponsor. I just like them and I like James. And so we're just going to call that out. If uh, if you've not subscribed and give us that five-star rating yet, please do so, and we'll see you for the next one. Thanks. Thanks.